listening to Diverse City Podcast. Please stay tuned to hear a powerful word. For giving or more church information, check us out at diversecity.church. Or to text to give, text DIVERSE to 73256. Thank you for listening and enjoy the word. name and the church said? All right. The, uh, the title of this message is Answering the Call. Answering the Call. This is part eight of the Uncomfortable series. So y'all are going to help me with this message. You didn't know that today, but y'all are going to help me with the message. So when I ask you this question, if it applies to you, you can raise your hand. If it do- doesn't, sit down. Just keep your hand down. Okay? It's a point that's going to be made. So raise your hand if you own, own an iPhone. Where are my iPhone people at? Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Okay? Y'all look around real quick. Keep your, hand, keep your hands up. If you own a tablet, raise your hand. Mm-hmm. If you own a tablet and an iPhone, stand up. Okay? If you own a watch, it doesn't, doesn't matter what kind of watch it is, Apple Watch, whatever Android pushes, you know what I'm saying? Um, any tracker, anything you can wear on your wrist, stand up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, okay, okay. If you own a laptop, doesn't have to be a MacBook, doesn't have to, if you own a, any laptop, stand up. Look around, people. Look around at all these tech people. Now remember all the people that are standing up. Thank you and have a seat. How many notifications do you get in one day? Hmm? How many notifications do you get in one day? If you follow Diverse City Church on Facebook, you got at least one within the last 10 minutes because we're live right now. Yeah? So you got at least one. For everybody that stood up, let me tell you. If you can go, yep. The average person, according to this article released in New York Times, gets 65.3 notifications in one hour. In one hour, okay? I wanted to test myself, so just in 45 minutes, I got 256 notifications and four calls, okay? What kind of notifications are we looking at? We got Twitter, we have Facebook, name some. What kind of notifications do you get? Instagram? Come on. If you have Bleacher Report, ESPN, every time somebody scores, that's a notification, okay? Notifications dominate, calls dominate. In the next slide, you'll see, this is a teacher who had a block period, so it's 90 minutes, an hour and a half, and she had her students go up on the board and put a tally mark every time they got a notification. Every time, this is 90 minutes. 90 minutes, if you look behind me, I can't even count all the ones for Instagram. Phone calls alone, 32. That's in 90 minutes. 90 minutes. 32 calls. Next slide, please. Where am I going with this? Where am I going with this? If God called you, would you answer? If God called you and he said he had something for your life, 
If he called you and said, I want you to do something, would you answer him or would you slide up and ignore him? Would you go blind to his call like you do the 256 other notifications that you get every single day? What would you do if God called you? Next slide, time out. We need to talk a little bit so that we understand the importance of what I'm getting ready to hit you with, okay? Pastor James has been preaching on the Uncomfortable series. He's talked about a lot of people who have been uncomfortable. He's talked about a lot of people who've had a lot of things going on in their lives that are being pushed and pulled. More recently, he talked about Jacob, how Jacob wrestled with God, how Jacob had his name changed to Israel. Jacob is who I'm going to pick up with because his family triggers and sets off a whole explosion in Egypt, and that's where we're going to center on today. In the next slide, you will see that Jacob had 12 sons and one daughter. The son specifically that I'm going to talk about is Joseph. Okay? Let's say Joseph. Joseph. What about Joseph? I'll tell you. Joseph went through a lot of trials and hardships, and because of his brothers selling him off and all this stuff that he went through, a lot of obstacles, he finally rose and became second only to the Pharaoh. Okay? And because of the favor and everything that he went through and God allowed him to overcome, he found such favor with the Pharaoh that when it became time for him to reunite with his family, the Pharaoh said his whole family can come with him to Egypt. So his entire family, his whole clan, 70 people, come to Egypt and they are reunited, they are together, and they live there. Okay? Well... The problem then became that over 400 years, they went back to that Genesis account and they multiplied. They were fruitful and they multiplied. They multiplied and they multiplied to the point that 400 years later, the new Pharaoh is uncomfortable. He's like, oh, I don't know, these foreigners, there are a lot of them. Makes me uncomfortable, I'm insecure. I gotta fix this. I can't have them be more than me. I can't have them be stronger than me. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to kill all their sons. We're going to throw them into the river. The girls can live. I'm trying to do population control, so I'm going to throw, have all the males thrown into the river. They're in slavery, and their males are being persecuted. This is where we're picking up with today's message. Amen? If you look to Exodus, Chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. It's pretty rough. I cannot imagine being a mother that has no other choice. She hid him as long as she could. There's a lot going on. Babies are being killed. They are in slavery. They are an oppressed people at this point. A lot has changed from the 400 years prior to the days of Joseph. And she is now a mother desperate. So she puts Moses 
because that's who we're talking about, in the basket and floats him down the river. If I can bring one point up today, if you're deciding, if you're going to answer the call, your upbringing or environment does not dictate your calling. Can you receive that? Your upbringing and your environment. We're talking about Moses. He was born into slavery. He had a pharaoh gunning for him, gonna kill him, killing brothers, killing all the boys in the area, poverty-stricken, oppressed. And yet God will call him to set an entire people free. It doesn't matter that you grew up in McCree Town. It does not matter that your education might be that of an eighth grader. It does not matter that maybe you grew up in a divorced home. It doesn't matter what your upbringing is because the God who loves you will call you despite what you came up in. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. In the next one, in the next verse, Exodus 2.11, it says, One day after Moses had grown up, okay, he's grown up, he's a grown man, he went out to where his people were and watched them at their hard labor. He's watching them. This is a man for all other purposes who has grown up to believe he is an Egyptian and he has the power second to the Pharaoh. He is up here and the Hebrews, the Israelites, they're down here, okay? He's about to get a reality check. He's about to get a reality check. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. He now identifies with those he thought were beneath him. Looking this way and that way, He's seeing no one. He killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. He hid him in the sand. That, in plain terms, makes him a what? A murderer. Come on now. It makes him a murderer. My second point in deciding if you're going to answer your call is your past does not stop God from calling you. He took a murderer and used him to set the children free. It did not matter Moses' past because God's grace is that amazing. When God comes into a situation, he changes everything. The Bible says that we are new creations, so your past is irrelevant. It doesn't dictate what God can do with you. The system might punish you, People might look at you funny, may say you never will accomplish anything, but the calling on your life is despite your past. It's despite your past. In the next slide it says, don't let nobody, say nobody. nobody. Don't let nobody take you back to a level that you've already leveled up from. Come on, diversity. Don't let anyone make you feel like God has not done something new in your life. You may have been a murderer. You may have been a drug addict. You may have cheated on your spouse. You may be bad with money. Those things may have been, but the key word is been. The new creation that you are, God is going to use you. And not only will he use you, he may use your past to help you break chains off of other people who are going in the very same struggle that God's already
already gotten you through. Come on, hallelujah. And for those people that want to bring up your past, you just remind them that you are a new creation and you are fearfully and wonderfully made and that they cannot bring you back to where God has already taken you from. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. In Exodus 4, verse 3, says, The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake, and he ran from it. This is probably one of my favorite verses. He had a stick in his hand, he threw it on the ground, he listened to the Lord. The next point is God will give you the tools. Come on. He will give you the tools that you need for your calling and for his glory, okay? now. He had the staff in his hand. Verse 2 says, God asked Moses, what's in your hand? God already knows what's in his hand, but he asked Moses, what's in his hand? Come on, I need y'all to get this because this part is very important. The staff was already in his hand. And with Moses alone, it was simply a staff, okay? When God came in the situation, the staff had all kinds of things that it can do because God was introduced into the natural. The staff he already had, and it could do nothing in his own power. But when he listened to the Lord, the staff was overcome by the anointing that has the power of God, and the staff can do all things because the power of God gives it no limits. Come on now, if you give your voice that you already have over to the power of the Holy Spirit, your anointing will increase. If you give God the ability to speak in public, then God's anointing will allow the chains to fall off of people where if you were speaking in your own right, they wouldn't hear it. If you have the ability to lift weights and be strong, if you have the ability to write songs, the ability to dance is something that you already have. But it's when you give it over to God that God will take what you do in the natural, he will do it in the supernatural and give it the ability that a man cannot give it. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. tools that you need. You don't have to worry about what you need. When God calls you, he will make sure you have everything that you need. He will make sure that he surrounds you with people that will, as Pastor James says, cultivate your calling. He will surround you with encouragers and people who will pray for you. He will work things out in your finances that shouldn't add up. He will put food on your table when it doesn't even make he will put his hands over your children while they are running the streets and doing God only knows what. Because when they listen to mama's voice, they didn't listen. But when mama surrenders her life to God, the children see God in her and they have a heart change because mama had a heart change. Somebody say hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. He will work with you. 
It is not in your own right. It is not in your own ability. When you're deciding, because it is still a choice. It is still a choice, diversity. Do you hear me? It is still a choice in whether you decide to follow and answer the call on your life or not. Pulpit is not the only call on your life. Being a mother or father, a mentor, being the best that you can be at your job, making a difference in the community. These are just some of the callings that we have, but sometimes we get so comfortable with the things that we can see and understand that when God sends us a notification or he calls, we flip the phone over, we cover our watch to ignore it, we hit the decline. You might have a four-year-old like me that sees your phone and has an incoming call and they automatically hit decline over and over and over again because they're watching YouTube. Sorry, Pastor James, because that happens when you call me. <laughs> the point is, is that he will make a way. Can you be willing? Diversity, will you answer the call? Hmm. Exodus 4, 10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and of tongue. In this conversation that he is having with God, he's like, look, bro, it is not me. You say this is what you want me to do, but I can't, look, I, I can't use big words. It doesn't come to me as fast as it comes to everybody else. I don't know, like I'm slow of speech, I might have a stutter or something, I don't know, my tongue doesn't do what everybody else's does to make the words come out right, so I'm gonna look stupid. This is who you want to choose to go before the Pharaoh, the highest of the high here in Egypt? You wanna use me? Mm, no, I'm not the one. My next point is doubting yourself does not change how God sees you. And this is really important because Moses is being honest with God. He's like, I don't know. This, 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 and this is why I cannot do what you're asking me to do. Doubting yourself creates its own atmosphere. Doubting yourself allows you to get in your own head and not even hear what God is telling you. You disregard what God's already shown you and the confirmation that's already been given. And you stew, you sit there in it. No, I can't do this. And then the second thing happens. When you doubt yourself, that allows you to give ear to all the other people who doubt you. God called me to take the Israelites out of Egypt? I can't do that. Some random guy walking by. Yeah, you can't do that. You got like a speech impediment or something. I don't even, didn't you murder somebody? Yeah, you're right, I can't do that. God, but God didn't call me to, God couldn't have possibly called. No, he couldn't have called you to possibly do that. Come on now, you're playing. He probably called your brother. You should go and ask Nook Nook and them and see what he said, because it couldn't possibly be you. And then when you doubt, you start to spiral, right? So now, you don't even need your own voice to tell you you can't do it, because you're replaying the doubt from others in your head over and over and over again. Till it's like a record. You can hear it in your sleep. 
you play it over and over again when you're doing the dishes, when you're trying to take care of things. The Holy Spirit might nudge at your heart real quick and be like, no, this is what I called you to do. No. I didn't finish school. There's no way. I could speak before people. No. I'm bad with finances. There's no way I can be a speaker or start my own finance business. No. I barely finished high school. I know I can't go to nursing school and be a nurse. All of those callings are what God has put on you from the time you were born. It was already pre-ordered. It was already pre-ordered and the beauty of it all is that when you can let the Holy Spirit take over, that doubt goes away. That doubt has no place where light is. Darkness cannot be where light is. So when we open up our heart and let the Holy Spirit come in and take over, come on, diversity. Doubt has no home. Doubt has no place to reside. And even though Moses felt strongly, and sometimes we do feel very strongly, I can't do this. I know I can't. Because we're thinking very what's in front of us. We're thinking very in our mind, very man-made. Because in the natural, there are limits to what we can do. But with God. Say, but with God. Come on, but with God. Come on, there are no limits. There are no limits. And but with God can be so contagious. Because when God breaks that mess off of you and you start to walk in your calling, something happens where the people around you see where you used to be and you're walking in it. And as you're walking in it, the Spirit is ministering to those around you and they stand up and say, well, if Virginia can do it, if God will use Virginia to do X, Y, and Z, then maybe he can use me. And that light is transferred, okay? is transferred and then all of a sudden where darkness used to have this person crippled, straight won't move, straight won't act on the will of God, sitting there in their seat every Sunday knowing they got a call on their life to work in children's ministry, but they're afraid to move their feet because of what people will say. They want to sing on the praise and worship team, but they're afraid because of their past. They cannot minister to God's people. They will see Virginia or Andrew or Lawanda or
The next slide says, Noah looked like a fool until it started to rain. Keep building. Keep building diversity. Doesn't matter what your calling is. People might say it's too big for you. People might say, Psh. mm mm. You know that look when you don't want to be rude and say something, but you see somebody doing something, you know they shouldn't be doing it, so you just. Because you don't want to, you don't want to be rude, right? But there's a part of you that's like, oh, okay. No, 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 no. Because I guarantee you, now this is the Virginia Amplified version, but when Noah was on his ark and it was raining, everybody else probably felt pretty foolish at that point, but because of his obedience, he and his family were blessed. Come on, come on. Come on. he and his family were blessed. Let's flip that coin. If he had not listened, then him and his family would have been cursed, done with. Through the obedience comes the blessing. Don't worry about what the fools say. Don't worry about the naysayers. Don't worry about everyone else. It doesn't matter what you even see in the natural. If you believe God is calling you, no matter how great, then you hold true to what God is calling you to. But you first got to answer the call. Thank you, Lord. Exodus 5, 1 and 2. After Moses and Aaron went to the Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, who is this Lord? that I should obey him and let Israel go. I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. He said, who is he to me? I don't know him. This whole call that you're talking about is nonsense, it's trash. I'm not letting them go. I don't know him. I don't have to answer to him. You got this wrong. You better get out of my face. Don't bring this back to me. Case closed, door shut, I'm done with it. No? Let me tell you something. In my fifth point, there will always be haters. You can say like Moses did, hey, Pharaoh, this is, look, no disrespect, but God told me you need to let these people go, okay? And Pharaoh, for all purposes, because this is his labor, okay? Pharaoh's looking at him like, no. Not only am I not letting them go, but I'm gonna give you a little bit of grace so you can get out my face. This is the Pharaoh. There is no higher in the Egyptian culture than Pharaoh, okay? So he's telling Pharaoh, you need to let all of your laborers go. And it's such a ginormous task that Pharaoh can't even wrap his mind around it. Have you ever told someone that something you wanna do and they laugh right in your face? Maybe you told someone something that you really feel strongly about and they told you you were wrong, that it would never happen. Maybe you shared an intimate secret that you're just looking for confirmation for and you went to the wrong person and they shot you down. How you feel so heavy, how you start to second guess yourself how you feel like maybe I'm not enough, 
Maybe I did get this wrong. Let me tell you something. Who God calls is who God calls. And there is nothing that can change that. There will be haters. There will be naysayers. There will be people who will want you to fail. Can you believe that? There might be somebody sitting next to you who wants you to fail. Your boss might want you to fail. It's sad, but some people in your family may want you to fail. What that says to me is as long as you have the one true God in your corner, despite all the circumstances and all the negativity and all the haters, your calling still did not change. Somebody hear me. Your calling is your calling, and it does not need to be justified. It does not need to be approved and checked off by man. It does not be. I guarantee you, if God called you to preach but you didn't have a church, you can go right out on that corner and preach God's word. I guarantee you that if God set, called you to be um, a, a wonderful mother, but for whatever reason your womb is closed and, and you don't have any kids, there are children in this community that need mothering. If there are boys in this community that need fathering, there are children that are waiting to be taught and molded and mentored. It does not matter what everyone else says. It does not matter what you see in the natural. Will you answer the call? He's calling each and every one of us. Every day. Every day. He's calling Diverse City to be a strong church. He's calling Diverse City to be the voice in the darkness in a community where there's tons of change and violence every other day, will you answer the call? Yes. In my next slide, I don't know if y'all know this book. Anybody know this book? Come on with it now. This is one of my favorite books from my childhood, and it is called Where the Sidewalk Ends. It is a bunch of poems, just short poems and short stories in one book. They're all random. Not one, two, agree. They are just random. But there is a poem in there called Where the Sidewalk Ends. And I was talking with Becky. She calls me randomly from time to time. Love you. And uh, I don't know how we got on the subject. But I was talking to her about Where the Sidewalk Ends. And there are some things that the Lord used it for to speak to me. Sidewalks, for one, are man-made, yes or no? Yeah, okay. Are they easy or hard to walk on? Easy. Can you see them? In an ideal situation, in an ideal situation, not if you live in McCree Town, in an ideal situation, if you walk on them, do you fall through them? No, that wasn't a trick question. You should not fall through a sidewalk. Okay. Sidewalks are man-made. They're easy to see, and you walk on them. No problem. Where the sidewalk ends, stay with me, where the sidewalk ends is where God can take over. Where the sidewalk ends is where nothing man-made will take you to where you need to be. Where the sidewalk ends is where your faith kicks into gear and where you step out every step that you do and the end destination is 100% God. Are you with me? Where's my, Andrew? Andrew, come here. 
Come here, baby. Can we give my husband a hand, y'all? Where the sidewalk ends. Keep this in mind, where the sidewalk ends. Come on up, don't be shy, come on. Don't worry, you're okay. Come over on this side. I am gonna represent God, and Andrew is Andrew. And the path right in front of us will be our sidewalk. Hold the microphone. Do you trust me? Doesn't matter. You nervous? A little bit. Don't be. Okay. Nope. Okay. Andrew, we're going to walk out your life. And I'm not Virginia. I am literally representing God. So, Andrew, I want you to take three steps if you accept being a husband, just right in front of you. One, two, three. Love that man-made step. Easy to do. Feel the ground beneath you? Perfect. I want you to take five steps if you accept fatherhood. Two, three, four, five. Perfect. I want you to take six steps, and I'm going to hold your hand, because I'm always there to send a comforter when you need me. I want you to take six steps. If you will be that police officer that stands in the gap during times of unrest, where people need to know that God loves them despite their color. And God, I, I want you to make a difference in the community. Bring me to them and show them a uniform that treats them like they have purpose. If you accept that calling, take six steps. One, two, walk in it, Andrew. Three, four, five, six. I know that was hard for you. I know that was hard for you, but thank you for doing that. I'm gonna do one, two more. If you decide to go out into the community and be that voice for the young people that are out in the community and wear your uniform sometimes, wear regular clothes sometimes, maybe miss time with your personal family that I blessed you with, but you're gonna go and play basketball with some boys, go and minister some boys, maybe do wrestling, do anything that will give them something positive to do. If you can do that, I want you to take seven steps. I'm with you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Face me. I'm gonna ask you to do something that's really hard. Andrew, you are at the edge of the stage. You are where the sidewalk ends. When you step off this stage, there is no more stage. But I want you to encourage your wife to not return to her full-time job as a nurse. I want you and her to do ministry full-time. I can't guarantee you the same pay that she will get. I cannot guarantee that it will be easy. I want you to be the leader that I called you to be. And despite all the steps that you've taken that were right there in front of you, 
I'm going to have you step out, and I want you to do exactly what I tell you, and in doing so, I'm going to be with you. Can you do that for me? Yeah. Are you scared? A little bit. That's okay. I sent my Holy Spirit ahead of you. And the Holy Spirit's gonna make sure nothing happens. So what you're gonna do is listen to me. Walk to the edge of the stage. You can reach your hand out for the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is always there. I want you to pick your right foot up and I want you to take a giant step forward. Pick it way up, way up, stretch it all the way out and step out. Step forward and keep walking in it and walk in it and walk in it, and walk in it, and walk in it. Take your blindfold off, Andrew. Step down for me, give him a hand. Come on, Bible City, what I need you to see, hey, what I need you to see is that when it's right in front of you, you along, but what do you do when God calls you to do something where the sidewalk ends and you don't know what the next step should be? You hear him, Bible City, you hear him saying, take the next step, and you're like, oh, school God, what, what, what do I do? It is in that moment that your faith will get you through the, it is in that moment that the Holy Spirit will come and take he will take your hand and he will guide you. The slide says, I have a plan for your life. And what it feels like, diversity, is exactly this. But boy, is you. He's like, oh, God. You getting ready to do that first drop? Oh, Jesus. The Holy Spirit's like, yeah. Woo. But the Holy Spirit has your hand because God knew you would need a comforter. He knew you would need encouragement. He knew that in your mind, you can only see what you can see. But it's when we let go. It is when we let go that God, we can even hear him clearly enough where he says, it's okay, Virginia. I know you went to school for nursing. I know you have a degree in nursing. That's cute and all. But what I really want you to do is do ministry full time. I know, Virginia, that you're looking at your money situation. I know that your husband is going to be a little razzled by what I said. But don't worry, because I've already worked on your husband's heart. So what I need you and Andrew to do is to walk side by side. Walk in your calling. And when you get to the edge, keep on walking, because it doesn't even matter, because I'm doing it step by step by step by step by step. It doesn't matter. Man cannot do what I can do. And you by yourself cannot do what I have called you to do. So the key of it all, I don't know if you saw it, but my husband had tears coming down his face. Because you have to abandon everything. You have to abandon what you know, what you know. You have to leave it all behind you. I saw a post on Facebook that said, God said, sorry, I had to make you uncomfortable. 
but I needed you to get to the place where I needed you to be. If we did this all over again and I had Andrew walking, when he got to the part right here where there is no more stage, he might have done what some of us do. Let me go back here real quick because this is my comfort zone. I know what this is. God called you into ministry. Oh, no, I got to. I got five, six, seven bills. I got to stay right here. I got to work at, uh, at Macy's. I got I to gotta stay here at Walmart. There's no way I can. All right, Lord, let me try it again if I could just. God called your husband over there. Oh, okay, Lord, I'm walking, I'm walking. Uh-oh. I don't know. I don't. I, I'm going to go back to this bad relationship because that's my comfort zone. Am I talking to somebody? I'm going to go over here. God's called you to be more responsible with your finances. I can't tithe. I got to stay over here. This is my comfort zone. Am I talking to somebody? God called you to be an excellent mother and father and sacrifice for your family. Ah. I can't do that. Got to get me a new Benz. I don't know. I don't know cars. Benz is a car, though, right? Somebody tell me. This is our comfort zone. God said, dog, Virginia's so cute. I called her when she was 13. She's 35, still playing games. This is what I'm going to do. So God takes a sledgehammer, boom, breaks that job, boom, breaks up her daycare and babysitter situation, boom, breaks up who would be her support so she can go back to work. Let me kick them pieces out the way. This time... When I'm at the edge and I'm ready to step over and I get cold feet, uh-oh, there is nowhere to go back to. God said, oh, baby girl, you're doing too much right now. I want you to understand that this was all there and I walked you through it, but sometimes I've got to take you to a place of discomfort where you feel alone, where you feel like you don't matter, where it feels like there's so much going on if you could just have some peace and quiet, if you could just have an answer, behind you. If you would just trust me and step out where the sidewalk ends, I promise I won't let you fall. Answer the call, diversity. I got you. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. It may be uncomfortable. It may stretch you and pull you, but I promise to guide your left foot and your right foot. I promise to send my spirit to comfort you. I promise you that this is what I called you to do. Come on, somebody. We all need encouragement. We all need a push in that direction. How do I explain my calling? How do I explain who it is that God is? And in my last verse, it says, God said to Moses in Exodus 3, 14, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. God cannot be put in a box, diverse city. He is limitless. And there's not even really a word, although the Webster Dictionary has many, that can quite articulate the awesomeness that is God. Do you understand? Our minds 
cannot process the awesomeness that is God. We can't handle, we can't handle the truth. Y'all see what I did there? Come on. We cannot handle the awesomeness of God. He said, look, Moses, just tell him I am. I am, I was, and I will be. When people judge and they ask, who are you to have this calling? Who said you should do this? Who said you should do that? You tell them if you want to entertain them with the answer, I am sent me. You tell them that the God of all gods loved you enough to call you to make a difference. That the God who cannot be put in a box and is limitless can call you. You, the one who did not finish high school. You, the one that might struggle with commitment. You, the one that might have done some questionable things. And that's what people know you for. He's calling you. Not the manager, not your boss, not your mom, not your husband. But God is calling each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. The great I am loves you and believes in you. Let's get rid of all the haters, okay? Get rid of all the haters. Let's put away all the doubt. Let's put away anything that says you cannot do something. The God that loves you says that your background is irrelevant. He will give you the tools that you need. He will get rid of the doubt, the haters, and your light will shine so bright that literally other people are going to be affected by what you are doing for God's glory. If you could stand to your feet, please. The musicians can come. Diversity, we're in a time of transition. And as Moses was uncomfortable, as Jacob was uncomfortable, so many others uncomfortable, God is asking, will you take the call? Will you step out of your comfort zone? Will you trust him to take you to a place that you can never get to on your own? Will you give him your gifts that you already have so that when he collides with you, the limits will be taken off of you? Will you allow him to use you to penetrate the darkness that is outside of this church, that is in your job, for some of us in our homes, with our children? You are getting a call today. You have an option to decline or to accept. Don't give him an I'm busy answer. Don't say, can I call you back? You will choose this day who you will serve. And my husband, alongside of me, us together decided that we will serve the Lord, whatever it cost, whatever it cost, we will serve you, Lord. If this is your prayer, as the prayer team comes, if you're saying, God, I'm nervous. 
You're saying, God, I hear you. Ooh, I'm scared. But can you please send a comforter? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna be what diversity needs me to be for your glory. I'm gonna answer that, that nagging, that, that small voice that's in the back of my head that's been saying to do X, Y, and Z. Today, it starts. Today, I will answer my call. I will walk with you, Lord. And where the sidewalk ends, that's where I end. Where the sidewalk ends is where you take over. Is where faith and fear collide, God. And I'm, I'm nervous, but if this is you, and you're saying today is the day, you will no longer be a slave to doubt. You will no longer be entrapped in your mind. If this is you, and you're saying, God, help me see what needs to break off in my life to receive what you have for me. Come down. The altars are open. People are ready and willing to pray with you to help you so the Spirit can break off what needs to be broken. So that He can guide your foot where they have never gone before. Thank you, Lord. Bless them as they're coming up, Father God.